Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to be here. Read my lips, cool conversations with creatives. And I love, I call them my creatives. I'm very possessive of people who have interesting lifestyles, interesting passions. They don't just think about it. They don't just say, I'm gonna, or I'm gonna try. There is no try, right, Yoda? They actually do something about it. Interesting show today. I will tell you, we are live. It is August 31st, the end of I think almost the end of summer. Cannot wait for 2020 to be over. I just can't say that enough. And I'll give you some more update on, by the way, this is the 35th Monday in 2020, in case you're keeping track. We do garbage. Put Garbage has to go out on the street Sunday night from Monday. So I now know I put my garbage can out 35 times this year. That just makes me feel wonderful. I have two fascinating guests. You know, I don't match the topics of my guests in advance. Oh, I want two writers. Oh, I want two producers. Oh, I want two artists. I find interesting people and I put them together and we always find an interesting thread of something in common and it's just fun discovering that. So today I have a lady who owns goats and teaches cheese making. Okay, those two didn't necessarily start out going together but I have a lady who is a former entertainment attorney in Beverly Hills. I just found out she comes from Long Island, as I do, and she has written 20 feature film scripts for major Hollywood studios and major TV networks. Now, if there were two guests so diametrically not the same, I don't think I've ever had a show with (laughs) topics that they don't even make sense together, but we're going to find out. So let me tell you a little bit about my guests. In 2014, life coach Kate Johnson life coach. This is the cheese maker and the goat raiser. Life coach Kate Johnson decided to take her own advice and she followed her passions. She had three passions. She wanted to raise goats. She'll tell us about it from her book. She wanted to make cheese and she wanted to teach. So what did she do? She is now the main cheese coach. Never heard that title before, Kate, at the Artisan Cheese Making School the Art of Cheese. I love the name of your school. She's also a regular contributing writer to Countryside Network's Goat Journal. Okay, who knew there was a Goat Journal? And she just released her fourth book, which I had the pleasure of reading most of it today. There's some recipes in there called Tiny Goat, Big Cheese. I had to do that. <laughs> it's a part memoir and part cookbook. And if you ever wanted to think about making cheese, you're going to find out. If you ever want to think about birthing goats in your yard or your barn or have your kids learn to to deal with goats and fantasy play about goats, we will go there with Kate Johnson. Kate, welcome. Thrilled to have you here. And then my other guest, she came to me through a neighbor. I had never heard of this woman. I never met her. And a neighbor said to me, I know somebody interesting. So before becoming a screenwriter, Samantha Shad, and she spells her last name S-H-A-D, She's famous. She was a Beverly Hills entertainment attorney and member of the bar in three states. Not one, not two. She liked what she did. She was in three states. Samantha has written 20 feature film scripts for, as I said, major Hollywood studios. Anybody ever heard of 20th Century Fox? I think it's been renamed recently. Class Action was one of her scripts. And feature length and episodic TV. And she'll tell us what that means for major TV networks, including... The long form movie, there's a lot of technical stuff in here, Samantha, vanished without a trace. I think I saw that NBC Universal. She's the real deal. 
Samantha is the author of a book called, and I'm reading it now, The Right, W-R-I-T-E, to Happiness, How to Write Stories that Change Your Brain and Your Life. And I think we all need to change our brains a lot now. And Samantha, where were you six months ago? We needed to do this. So I'm absolutely thrilled. By the way, Samantha writes in one of her books, Stories Teach Us How to Thrive at Being Human. Stories are problem-solving machines. Writing a story is everything that reading a story is times a thousand. I pulled those out of your book, Samantha, because oh, nice. I thought those were really, really, really cool quotes. So that the show today is titled, Read My Lips, The Sweet Taste. Mm, I can see cheese, goat's milk, maybe, and, <laughs> and successful Hollywood and TV scripts, The Sweet Taste of Creative, creative Success. I'm out of breath. I'm Radio Red. Happy to be here. <laughs> Ladies, just say a quick hello. Kate jo Johnson, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. There you Hi. go. Samantha, you can follow that too. Hi, everybody. Nice, okay. to, nice to hear you. Maybe. And we are on Zoom and I'm seeing these two beautiful ladies. They're smart. They're gorgeous. And I'm, I'm so happy we are recording this and I may make this into an episode of my TV show, something to talk about. But let me give a little background here before we go into their bios. Today, as I said, is August 31st. It's the 242nd day of the Gregorian calendar. It's a leap year. I don't know why they did, didn't tell us it's the 243rd day. But I want to say thank you to Greg, Gregory, Greggy, whatever his mother called him. We like your calendar and we appreciate it. Now, here's the <laughs> big news. There are 122 days left to the end of 2020. If you have your eye on something really good on the shelf in the liquor store or the, the wine store, get it soon. Either order it online or go with a mask on. I said that. Yes, I did. To a place near you and get it because 122 days is not very much time to prepare for the end of a year that we all wish never happened the way it happened. Mm -hmm. So get out there and get something yummy to drink and forget. And let's all toast to a happier 2021. We have some famous birthdays today. James Coburn was born today. He I don't usually do the birthdays of people who passed away, but he was interesting. There's an American pianist who died in 2010, born in 1930, named Big Tiny Little. Samantha, have you ever heard of Big Tiny oh, Little? No. Okay. No, I didn't either, but I thought the name was really, can you imagine being called Big Tiny Little? Okay. It's really harsh. Van, <laughs> it's like, which one? <laughs> before, before social media, Van Morrison was born today. Okay, he's still alive. Oh, nice. Nice. Itzhak Perlman, Israeli-American violinist, is happy birthday to, I don't know how to say it in Hebrew, but I should have learned. Richard Gere, pretty woman, wow. and so much birthday today. And I found this person, I assume it's a woman named Kim Kash Kashian. And I thought it was Kim Kardashian when I read it. And I said, yeah. I have to mention this person's birthday. Whoever he or she is, she or he is an American viola player and educator named Kim Kash Kashian. And when you read it, your eye wants to see Samantha, the eye wants to see Kardashian. Yes, it's yeah. Armenian. <laughs> now we have a have to say happy birthday to Gina Shock, S-C-H-O-C-K. She's an American drummer. I'm a drummer. I'm a chick drummer. So happy birthday. Any drummers who pop up on the birthday list, I have to do a shout out. There's an American guitarist with a cool name, Reb Beach. Reb Beach. Never heard of him either, but yeah. I don't know if it's a girl. Debbie Gibson. Ah. You light up yeah, my, we won't go there. Happy birthday, Debbie. Chris Tucker, very well-known comedian. Very nice. very and nice. we have a professional wrestler whose name is Ember Moon. I had to, I had to say happy yeah. birthday. What yeah. do you think, Samantha? Should we keep, include Ember Moon? Absolutely. Just for a good name. Good names. You know? <laughs> Is that good a good names. name? You know, we don't name ourselves too creative. AKA, anybody want to know why I came up with AKA Radio Red? Anybody yes. curious? 
Yes, well, why? I put them all together because when I started doing radio, I was on another station called Blog Talk Radio for years. And people said, if you ever want to come up in the sort order, your name should start with A. And then I thought, well, I wanted to be red. My hair is red. This is not my real name. A lot of people know my real name. And so I put AKA Radio Red ah, together. And if you're looking for anything, you put in the letter A, my name would come up to the, it's just a, I was a programmer back in the day and you have to have that sword order figured out. <laughs> <Right>. Alphanumeric, <laughs> you know, I couldn't put zero red. It wouldn't look so good. Like zero Coke anyway. <laughs> Ladies, are you ready for that? For the happy national holidays this week? Samantha, you ready? Yes. I can't wait to hear what they are. I bet you can. And Kate, are you ready? <laughs> oh, definitely. I, no, I, I saw I saw a dog rolling around in Samantha's office. Uh, Kate, do you have any goats nearby or? Oh, I do have goats right outside the door, but they're not in with me today. <laughs> okay. All right. Well behaved. So here are the national holidays. August 30th, which was yesterday, was National Beach Day. Are beaches open where you are, Samantha? Where are you now? You know, we're. I'm in uh, in um, Chapel Hill, Durham, North Carolina. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, I'm in Durham. I'm near Briar I, Creek. I, 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 for some reason, I, anyway. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we know who introduced us. <laughs> We've already us. done our stuff. We here. know yeah. the neighbor who introduced us. I didn't so know you were local. Yeah. Uh, so the beach is a few hours away, and I have no idea. Okay. And Kate, any beaches near we're you? UK. We're, we're in the mountains. We really don't have beaches. <laughs> we have a little <laughs> reservoir down in Boulder, but <laughs> I don't know if the beach is open or not. I wouldn't know in a good year. <laughs> and I live on a pond here in my community. And I got to tell you, this body hasn't seen a bathing suit in years. And I'm just going to look at the water looks good. That's it. Don't care about a polar beach. Look it. Okay. Now today, and this, you'll like this, Kate Johnson, today is National Holistic Pet Day. Oh, very nice. Now, I don't know if that means you have to raise or buy a holistic pet or you have to give them holistic pet food or give them holistic therapy. I don't know. What do you think it means? I don't know. I think it might be open to your holistic interpretation. <laughs> it's it's also do yoga with your goats. So you know what you're supposed to be doing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's also National Trail Mix Day. Okay. okay. I should serve snacks with champagne coming after the show. And it's World Distance Learning Day. How appropriate. Oh, that's appropriate, right? I don't know if it yes. existed before this year, but it's appropriate yes. right now. Tomorrow, September 1st, is American Chess Day. I used to play chess, checkers. Nope. I played badminton too and racquetball, but I don't know about chess. Okay. September 2nd, we all have to celebrate because it's World Coconut Day. So what are you going to be drinking to celebrate, Samantha? Well, I'm just going to be cuckoo in the coconut. I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> hey, do you have any favorite coconut drinks? Well, I, I do like a good fruit smoothie made with coconut water. And so, yeah, I was going to say pina colada, but I mean, I, well, why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? Now, September 3rd is National Skyscraper Day. I haven't been to New York in a couple of years, but we can look up and pretend. Now, September 4th, I don't want anybody to take this personally, but I have four holidays to celebrate. One is Lazy Mom's Day. I said, don't take it personally. <laughs> One is Wildlife Day. One is Beyonce's birthday. How she made it into the list of national holidays, I have no idea, but it was right at the head of the list. And it's College Color Days. College Colors. Anybody remember Color teams at college or camp. We did that in camp. Color war. Color wars. That's yeah. right. My granddaughter is back at college. She tells me they just told her only distance, only virtual learning. I don't know why she had to go back, but she said she's staying safe. September 5th, you can celebrate its National Cheese Pizza Day. 
there you go. Definitely a night for pizza. <clears throat> it goes go. with trail mix, not so much. <laughs> and coconut, I don't think so. National uh, Read a Book Day, Samantha and Kate, on the 6th. And September 7th, Labor Day, happens to be National Beer Lovers Day. Oh, that's a good one. I just had to. I'm going to go back to read a book day. Can I go back to read a book day? Read a book day, September. Let me tell 6th. you a few things that happen when you read a book. Yes. When you read a book. Um, you actually close out a lot of external stimuli, right? And because you're not paying attention to the world around you, you actually lower your stress levels very significantly. Now, is that also, for novels? Is that for novels? It's Samantha? for novels. It's okay. for novels. It's for, for novels. fiction. Okay. That, actually, that's, can I go off on a tangent here? Just briefly, because I, oh, I want to get the introductions, but go ahead. I want to hear. Oh, okay. This. I'll come back to it. No, don't give us a little bit. Well, I, I always say, I, well, one of the things I, when I teach writing, I always say, remember, nobody cares about the truth. And that always makes all of the writing students like lose their mind. But in fact, your brain doesn't really care about the truth. It takes in facts, so nonfiction, as a bunch of items. But it takes in fiction as a whole series of emotions and senses. So there is a huge difference between reading nonfiction, which is kind of like homework, and reading fiction, which totally draws you into a sensory world where you're also not monitoring yourself. So that's why it's always fun to be reading a, a thriller or something like that. Because you really pay less attention to yourself. Thank you. Very, very interesting. I do have uh, uh, links with some publishers. Um, I have a, an independent publisher, uh, Water Street Press, um, Lynn Venucci, I've known for many, many years. And she brings me people from her thriller novel genre. Mm -hmm. And some of them are, and you'll both find this interesting. I've met on this show in the past couple of years through her and through other connections. I've met people who are serial novelists. Sometimes Samantha and Kate, these people have written 12, 13, 14, 15 books. Some of them started out as HR executives in big corporations. Mm -hmm. Some, one of them was a bodyguard in LA <laughs> on movie sets. Things right. like keep the lion out of the way when Steven Spielberg is, is talking about <laughs> one of his movies. And this guy ended up writing, I think, 15 thriller novels that wow. world worldwide readership. And they started out in jobs that you would never imagine. Right. But imagine is probably the key word. Uh, Samantha, I want to go to Kate now. And I want Kate to give a little bit more of a bio because I want people to hear. And then Samantha will hear a little more about we're, we really want to hear about your scripts and how you got started in that. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Kate, how, yeah. I've read your book. I've read the story. Goats. Yes. Geez, come on, link, link it up for us. Go ahead. Well, it's actually really great that you started with all these national whatever days it is because it's actually the last day of National Goat Cheese Month. Oh so, my. What a great segue into who I am and what I do, right? I've been celebrating all month because now I do make things other than goat cheese, but this is kind of my story right now is, you know, I'm pretty into goats and cheese. So National Goat Cheese Month was a lot to celebrate. But I definitely like your writers who started as HR executives and became crime novelists, I certainly did not start out with the aspiration of running a cheesemaking school. In fact, I have a degree in psychology like you do, Red, and I have a master's degree in counseling, and I was working as a career development professional and 
and doing a lot of training. And then I went back and became a life coach. So, you know, nowhere really in my plan was cheese making school. But I did always want to live on a farm. So there was a personal um, just passion of mine. I had grown up a city kid, but I rode horses as a kid and just always dreamed of having my own horse on a farm, you know. So and I think a lot of kids have that dream, but my dream just would not die. It just it stuck with me. In fact, I actually went to college and lived on a farm and actually took my horse to college with me, which is a little unusual. Um, But I, you know, after college, uh, my horse actually passed away suddenly and I did nothing with horses for 20 years. And then fast forward, you know, now I have my own kids and they're little girls that would like to ride horses. And I'm like, hmm, maybe we should do this farm. So it took me until I was in my 40s to finally get that, that dream come true. The goats came next. They were, they were an afterthought. And then the goats led me to cheese. Because when you have a dairy animal, you have milk. It just keeps coming every day. Like, what do you do with all this milk? So eventually you learn to make cheese. And truly, that's how it started. It was as organic as that, literally. But um, because I love to teach, inevitably, I just started teaching friends how to make cheese. And it just took on this life of its own. And I found that a lot of people want to learn to make cheese. Because people were calling me out of the blue, like, I hear you teach cheese making. Will you teach me? I'm like, well, it's fun. Why not? So that's how it started. Just a total hobby that I really didn't intend to grow, but it really wanted to grow. And I listened and I just did it. (laughs) So that's kind of the, the background. Thank you, Kate. I call that the creativity gene or DNA, where you have something, a dream, a passion, an inkling, an idea. You just don't wait for the door or the window to open. You kind of put your foot in it or your finger in it and you wait for it to open and you make it open. And I love the story. And I read in your book, uh, very delightful, by the way, nicely, very nicely written. She's Samantha. She's a good writer. And I read that you, you needed to make ends meet at some point. And so you started a summer camp for kids and you started teaching them horseback riding and you bought another horse and you, you once did a, almost a timeshare with somebody's horse. You have (laughs) been very creative about earning a living for your yourself and your family, you've been very creative, Kate, about diving into the cheese making craft artisan cheese and creating a school for that. So that's why I call you one of my creatives. So you earn, I have to start sending out a little badge or a little something that says you're one of Red's creative. I love it. I I love it. It's my excuse for why my office is such a mess because a true creative (laughs) would not have a neat office, right? (laughs) I have to tell you that there was a a guest on August 3rd. Her name is CJ Scarlett. I don't know if you know her, Samantha. Uh, Kate, you might have met her at the virtual publicity summit where I met you. And uh, it turns out she was on the show about four years ago with me and we didn't remember each other, which is interesting. Scarlett Red, I always identify, but she calls herself the badass grandma. Oh, yes sent me a week ago, a little envelope arrived in the mail with a, a wrist, a bracelet, a one of those bracelets you squeeze a metal bracelet on the, what do they call them? Like a clutch bracelet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's metal and in engraved on it, it says total badass. And I told her, do I deserve that? And she said, red, you do. Oh, yeah. so, Samantha, Shad, I'm so, I'm so, I, 
you, is there anything you haven't done? You're an attorney, you're a writer, you you sell scripts, you, uh, you imagine, you teach writing. So I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to speaker view, Samantha Shad. We are delighted to have you and thank our mutual friend for the introduction, please. I'm very grateful. And Samantha, give us the official bio of who is Samantha Shad. The What's bio. your bio? That's pretty I know. scary. I know. Um, so I, I, you know, I came from a creative, a successful uh, creative family. So creativity never seemed like that big a leap. In fact, you know, for me, I was going to rebel against my rock and roll producer father. And that's why I became a lawyer. I mean, I couldn't rebel. How was I going to rebel? He was like finding and recording Janis Joplin. What was I doing? You know, so, so I'm pretty sure that's why I became a lawyer. Um, which never really stuck, but I was, you know, good enough at it to get really great jobs. And it was, you know, kind of hard to say no. And, uh, and I spent most of my twenties, I guess, and into my thirties going, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my life? Looking for the thing I was supposed to be doing. And I visited a friend in New York, um, and they were going out and she said, but I have this new computer and I had never played on a computer. And she said, go play with it, you know, do whatever you want to do. So I started on this K-Pro 2. Um, <laughs> My mom right? had one of those. <laughs> right, a K-Pro 2. But as soon as I sort of got the gist of how you type into it, I realized I was really happy. Ooh. I could just sit there and look at that screen forever. And so I bought myself a computer and tried to figure out what to do, how to earn a living do, sitting in front of a computer and writing. That was my thing. And since I lived in LA, you wrote a script. So that's what I did. And I always, once I started writing, I always knew that's where I was supposed to be. It is a place of peace for me, period. So that's how I became a writer. Samantha, tell us a little more, please. F fascinating. Uh, please tell us more about what kinds of what kinds of scripts do you write? What, how did you sell to NBC Universal? How did you sell to 20th Century? <laughs> how, how, I, I'm not looking for a blow by blow how to of how well, kids you know, listen to Samantha, in a, but how's it happen? Well, in a funny way, it does start with my rock and roll father, right? Because I just always saw creative people, both successful and non successful, but they were a constant. And so when I found writing, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And I didn't think much about how to accomplish it or how to break in. I just didn't think that way. I thought, well, you know, I'd always seen that if you worked at it, it took care of you. That was my experience with creative arts. So I worked at it and uh, I wrote my first script. It was rejected 56 times. <laughs> it never occurred to me to stop. It was like, okay, what's next? Because I had that you know, if you take care of it, it will take care of you. And it's so, you know, suddenly after it went to the same studio three times and was rejected twice and the same agency three times and it was rejected twice, all of a sudden everybody read it and went, oh, this is fabulous. And I was an overnight sensation. <laughs> so, you know, and it took sort of the chutzpah of knowing the industry, knowing show business well enough mm -hmm. to take all of those rejections and not care. So, you know, when the agent said, this has never been to Paramount, has it? And I said, oh, no, of course it hasn't been to Paramount, knowing it had been to Paramount and rejected three times. Um, you know, there's a little bit of just having the, 
gall of knowing how the industry works. And once I had that script sold, you know, I'm, I made a life out of it. And that was great for me. And I liked that you could, every script made you learn something new. If you were mm -hmm. doing a police script, you had to go to the police academy for a week and interview people and go on ride-alongs, you know, that kind of stuff. If you were doing something in medicine, you had to hang out at a hospital with a couple of experts, you know. I had one script that eventually took, went, the kids involved in it went to Graceland. So, you know, I had this serious research trip to Graceland, mm. you know, for two days being taken around by everybody, you know. I mean, it's just, you learn new stuff, you experience new things for each script. So that's what I really loved about it is it, nothing was constant. It was always new information, new things to learn, new people to meet, new, new challenges. You know, and that, that's what fascinated me about writing, that it was constantly changing. Very, very interesting. I liken that, Samantha, to when I was going to sound a little corny, but I used to play racquetball years ago when I lived in Oregon. And I played with, I didn't enjoy playing with women, only with men, because I wanted that challenge. They were bigger, stronger, taller, more experienced. But I learned, I learned fast to defend myself. I learned to shoot off the back wall. I learned to go for the corners. And I love, but what I loved about it, Samantha, was, oh, God, I'm going to this corner three times this week. It was, every game was different. Every shot was different. Everything was, had never happened before to me in my life. Every challenge was brand new. And that was the freshness about a sport where I, maybe this is a really corny analogy, but I, I know what you said. So, so Samantha, we really want to know, tell us a couple of the things that you wrote that were successful. Would we know them? What kinds of TV shows did you write for? Uh, I, well, I wrote, well, Vanish Without a Trace. The okay. long form television means it was a television movie. That's what long form television. Oh, okay. Means. It was a TV movie. And my favorite thing about this particular story was, well, I have two things. One, there was a funeral scene in it. And I get a call from the director while they're shooting it saying, we lost all of the audio. Write something for us to say. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. 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 After the scene is shot, write something for us to say. But the other thing in that script, which was great, was it was about an abduction. And we laid out all of these cues. You know, there's a paint chip from a ladder that's in somebody's house, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it all involves this paint chip from a ladder. And I get a call from the set while they're shooting. And they said, um, it's a ranch house. So there's no ladder. To paint the ceiling, you know, <laughs> just like so. Your entire mystery of how they find someone, never mind, doesn't matter. So, there's things like that, and I did a lot of rewriting. And I have I, just a couple of years ago, I turned on the TV, and some movie was on, and it kind of looked familiar. And I had to look up whether I wrote it or not. And the reason I didn't know is it sounded familiar, but I couldn't remember who the killer was. Right. So it's like, okay, it's a pretty good mystery. I don't know how it came out. So things like that happen all the time. Um, now, I, I want to segue back to Kate because I want to make sure we bounce back and forth so the audience gets to yep, hear yep. from both of you. Kate, you have a very detailed section in your book about the challenges of helping a goat birth her babies. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I think, Samantha, I don't think there's a mystery script in here for you, my dear, but never, I think you'll never get needed a kick the goats. Thanks. So, Kate, give us a little bit of, of goat magic, and then I want you to tell us your favorite recipe. And if Samantha and I, in our own 
kitchens would be able to make cheese through using your recipes in your book. So first, just a couple insights on what it's like to, to birth a goat. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, totally. It's it's very exciting. You know, it's actually a little bit like what Samantha was talking about. It, it is a mystery in and of itself because, I mean, it's just like birthing a human. Like, you don't know who's in there, right? And with goats, you don't know how many are in there because <laughs> they don't usually only have one. So, you know, the first one comes out and you're like, is there another one? And then the second one comes out, is there another one? You know, we had one doe that had four. And, um, you know, that fourth one was just a complete surprise. So that's really fun. Plus goats come in all different colors and patterns and you don't know what they're going to look like. So that's really fun. And of course, there's a little bit of nerve wrackingness of, you know, is it going to go okay? Are they going to need my help? Whatnot. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of exciting. It, it's just fun. And usually it goes pretty well. Um, sometimes you have to help a little bit more. But yes, you can totally make cheese in your own kitchen. <laughs> the segue and a half. Totally, yeah. Exactly. Because that was really good. I think so many people, you know, when I first started teaching, people said, you can make cheese. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, somebody's making cheese. Like, why not you? But I like a lot of people didn't realize just how easy it was. Now, some cheeses are easier than others. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm mostly teaching regular people, not professional cheesemakers. I mean, some of my students have gone on to, to open, you know, a, a professional creamery. But most of us are just home cooks that want to make cheese. And it's surprisingly way easier than most people think. I'm actually doing something now that we've pivoted to virtual learning called the seven day cheese challenge. And it's where I teach virtually seven days in a row, seven cheeses in seven days. And people are amazed how easy it is because we start with the easiest cheeses that might only take two ingredients, you know, and then we get progressively a little bit more challenging and we actually do a pressed aged cheese the last day. And I just love that so much because people go from that, you can make cheese to like, I'm a cheesemaker, you know, by the end, they're actually a certified, we have different levels of certification. And by the time they finish the seven day challenge, they are a bronze level artisan home cheesemaker. <laughs> so it, it is much more doable than I think most people realize. I'm impressed. And I bet Samantha's sitting, I'm going to try to read your mind, Samantha, we're going to get <laughs> to your, your book, write, write Your Way to Happiness in a minute. But I bet Samantha, just like me, is thinking, okay, what kind of cheese could we make in our own kitchen without the goats sitting in the backyard and, yeah. and without all of this professionalism, what could we make with two or three ingredients that we don't have to order a month in advance from cheesemakers.com? I know Samantha's thinking that. So, so in case the audience isn't, isn't up with us yet, Kate, yes. why don't you take us through a simple cheese recipe? I totally. The easiest, quickest recipe is ricotta. Um, it's actually a whole milk ricotta instead of ricotta traditionally was made from whey leftover from making some other cheese. But most home cheesemakers, you go to the grocery store, you buy a gallon of whole milk, you come home, you put, you get it hot, you put vinegar in it, you strain the curds, you have ricotta. I mean, that's how easy it wow. is. It's that easy. And it's so good. It's just nothing like store-bought ricotta because it's totally fresh. It doesn't have to be farm fresh milk. I mean, obviously you make better cheese with better milk, but some of these real quick, easy cheeses, it doesn't much matter what milk you use. You can go to the grocery store, 
buy milk, put vinegar in it, you've got cheese. People don't realize it's that easy. <laughs> wow. And I thought that was uh, putting vinegar in milk used to be something you'd find in a recipe where if you didn't, have, what would, oh, butter Butter milk. milk. Yeah. But that would be cold milk. So cold milk, you'd put vinegar in it to make it acidic, right? Make it more sour, like as if it was buttermilk. Right. But if it's hot milk, that acidity will turn that milk into solids. It will turn it into curds and whey. And the curds are your cheese. And that's it's that easy. Crazy. Heat and acid. That's all you need. That's <laughs> so, wow. That'll wow. Samantha, I, let's applaud for that. That's yeah, really yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> but see how excited you are? That's how I get to do it every day. Like my students wow. are that excited every day. I just feel like I'm the bearer of great news at every class. You're the bearer <laughs> of great, great cheese, too. Yeah. Now, and then they are. Yeah. Samantha, now it's your turn. Talk to us a little bit about your book, Write Your Way to Happiness. And tell us uh, the right to happiness that I love the pun in the title W R I T E. So can anybody like anybody can make cheese with milk and a little vinegar. Can anybody you No, know, it's not as the recipe is a little more complicated. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> and you can't do it in an afternoon. Um, the simplest version of this is I, the more I wrote, the happier I became. And I had a lot of baggage to get rid of. And then like one day the baggage was gone and uh, I left Hollywood because I was in love with someone and it was time to do something else. And I started doing a lot of teaching and I saw all of these students who really thought they wanted to write the great American novel. But I, I knew what they really wanted was to sit down and figure themselves out. Yep. I started looking at that because I'm, I was amazed how I changed my life. And I always thought it was some woo-woo thing that writing helped me. But in fact, if you write stories, so again, not nonfiction, but stories, creative stories, they are always about a problem and how you overcome them. And the simplest formulation of this is if you sit down and seriously write a story, you're going to wind up writing about a problem you really have. The story structure that's required for a real story will make you figure out how to solve it. Mm -hmm. And then the greatest miracle of all which is that your brain at the end of this whole process where you have figured out how to solve your own problem doesn't require that it's true. Just says, okay, we've learned that. And whether it really happened in the real world or not, doesn't matter. The lesson is truly learned. So it's like the cheap way of figuring stuff out without having to risk your life all the time. <laughs> and it works. It really totally changed my life. Can I read just a little bit from one of the sections? Do you mind? Sure. sure. Okay. I, I just took a couple of clips out here. I, I, I read in the beginning, writing a story is everything that reading a story is times a thousand. Stories are problem solving machines. And you say, when we write, we have an increased facility at problem solving because a great deal of our creative output comes from a unique part of our brain, the default mode network, which focuses on our view of ourselves in relation to other people. And then you say another part of your brain called the interpreter doesn't care whether it's true or just fantasy, which you just explained. Writing a story, everybody listen up, this is cool. Writing a story is an intense, lengthy, impactful neuroplastic exercise in learning the solution to the problem that was bothering you in such a way that you change your brain around the solution. Samantha, that, that could sell a million books, just that one, <laughs> one thing. That it's is... Fabulous. So talk to me about neuroplasticity. What, what are well, we changing? Neuroplasticity is what we um, civilians call learning. 
right? We change our brains when we learn something. But the thing is that if you really work, for example, if you really work on a story, you really are changing the neurons and the network of information in your brain. So you really have the brain experience of having lived through it, right? Because you're doing it over and over again. Neuroplasticity is how you keep your brain um, modern in a way, how you keep it up to date. And the more you do something, the more you change the networks in your brain. So when you're writing a story, it's an intense activity mentally. And so you change your brain a lot. It's like a really effective way to change your brain. So you really will look at your own life experiences differently because the networks in your brain are now connected in a more problem-solving way. And also when you write a story, you always take on another person's perspectives. There are other characters in the story. And that kind of is like cracking the egg. It opens up the experience and you tend to see yourself or the character that is your alter ego as less central. So you see other people's perspective. You get to look at yourself with more empathy. You can be more caring about your own mistakes. You can look at people who victimize you as weak instead of always cowering from mm -hmm. them. So it just opens up a world of your uh, a different perspective on your own experience. And it changes your brain around that more sophisticated and kinder view. So you really change everything in your brain and therefore in your heart. Another beautiful sentiment. Samantha, I have a, a tough question for you when people think, oh, Samantha Shad is saying I can write, I can write stories, maybe scripts, maybe screenplays. Is the goal to get something that's commercially successful or is the goal to write, to have your brain mold around, to learn, to reflect on yourself through other characters? What, what is the goal of what you're telling people about Write Your Way to Happiness? I don't particularly um, emphasize commercial success. Okay. If you want commercial success, you will, if that's your goal, you mm -hmm. still have to master good storytelling. There's, there is a form to it. There are rules to it and they matter because the forms, as we call them, are really how our brains understand stories. So you don't fight it. You have to go like, your brain is going to understand a story I write if I use a format that you're comfortable with, three act story writing, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So even if your only goal is commercial, this is going to make you happier. But my real goal is to say, it doesn't matter whether you're a commercial writer or not. Most people aren't going to be able to have a successful writing career that pays for their lives. That's a luxury. Um, but anyone can buy a pen and a piece of paper and change their whole life. And most of the people that I see that are trying to be writers really just want to make that change. They're not, they say they want to write great novels. They say they want to be successful mm -hmm. writers, but in their hearts, what they want is to be more whole as a person. And this is a way to do that. I like the way you explain that. Now, I will tell you that I've been doing a lot of binge watching in this COVID where I can't go out. I, I've worked from home as a broadcaster for many years. So being home in an office all day is not a problem. It's I don't get, I was telling Kate, I'm a drummer now, and I don't get to go out to open mic nights and drum with really great musicians and play my favorite rock and roll songs, Mustang Sally and Miss You by the Stones and 
B.B. Uh, King. I do a couple of B.B. King songs and I don't get to do that. So I binge watch and I binge watch. And Samantha, the reason I'm sharing this with you and with Kate is my re- my most recent, the one I'm halfway through this, the whole series is called The Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. And Lisa Edelstein is a lead yep. and Paul Adelstein is a lead. Boy, that's a, a set of names for you. And she is a writer who is brought in to write for a company called Shishi. It's a magazine. And you see the machinations of how they are trying to put her through their machine. She has a very unemotional chief editor who looks at her and says, no, people don't want that anymore. Don't, you can't write that. No, that that's not the market. No, we don't care about this. And they're trying to mold her to their sick. Yes. And, and for those of you who don't see us on zoom, which is everybody just put a gun <laughs> to her head. I know. And you see, and they, then they assign her Retta, you know, the, the actress Retta, um, Retta is assigned as her personal editor and Retta hates her because Retta is going through a divorce where her husband left her for her sister and she has no money and she can't pay an attorney and she doesn't have daycare for the kids. And she hates this upscale Hollywood type who lives in a house with a pool with rocks around it and more clothes and cars than you would ever imagine. And she hates her. So she comes up with what she calls the door. She says, you see my office and it's just a desk in this editing, in the shishi place. She says, see this door? She says, imagine there's a door, go outside my door. <laughs> <laughs> the door. And so so Lisa's character, Abby McCarthy is the name, says, okay, go out the door. So then she comes, the next couple of days, she comes back to this woman's office who hates her, but has to work with her because she doesn't buy into this fancy schmancy successful divorcee with not necessarily a lot of money, but a lot of lifestyle and fancy friends. And she actually has something that's a portable thing that wraps around her desk. So she says to Abby, <laughs> door, and she goes, whoosh, and pushes. And this big barrier comes and circles the desk. And she steps back and says, oh, door. So that becomes a byword, a buzzword between the two of the door. It's very, very cute. Samantha, you might want to check it out. It's about- I will, that. I will. And what happens is she, she um, uh, Abby's character- interestingly enough, has a, a reality check on what her life is really like as she's going through divorce. And she goes to a book signing where a bunch of women are sitting in a very polite room. At, we could imagine what the national company would be where they're sitting in there. Oh, it's Abby McCarthy, Abby McCarthy. And she says, you know, everything I've been telling you is a friggin' lie. I'm now dating my almost ex-husband and I'm having a fling with this one and that one. And I just hired a male hooker. And she says, everything is a lie. And they look at and people start throwing her book at her, throwing it from the balcony. And she is shamed. And then they have to manage her persona and they like it. They don't. And Jean Smart plays one of her senior editors oh, who hates everything good. she does. It's it's very, very, it's a smart series. You may enjoy it. The Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. Really, it sounds really great. Very, very <laughs> interesting. Now, one's a lawyer, Samantha. One of the characters is a lawyer. She's a Persian woman, who absolutely, absolutely, unbelievably gorgeous. And her life in and out of the law, get, helping them all get divorced. And, he, and another one's an artist who is in and out of galleries. And who does she, how many divorces does she have? And how many ex-husbands? Another one's owns a bakery whose husband has a second marriage with a child in another part of the country while he's married to her. uh, Megan Hilty, who plays an interesting, very Southern blonde who wants to take over the bakery and put a milk machine in. No, I'm doing a Mae West impersonation. (laughs) 
<laughs> I get my impersonations mixed up. So what I'd like to do now is um, just just free fall. Let's talk about creativity. Kate Johnson, did you wake up one day and say, I have to be creative about earning a living and I have to be creative about wanting to buy a horse. I'm a kid and I want to buy a horse. I've been, and I have to figure out a way to creatively get out of the city and take my family back to the country because I know they get, and I have to figure out a way creatively to start a day camp and to buy horses. Yeah, and yeah. We want, to buy, we want to buy goats and I want to make sure it's a hybrid. I like the one with the floppy. We have to be creative about the kind of goats we raise. That's a hell of a lot of creativity DNA in there. So Kate, did you yeah. wake up today and say, I can do this? What what motivated you? How did you? Well, you know, it kind of like Samantha. I mean, I grew up with creative family too. My father was a musician and my mother actually was a writer. Well, she was a college professor of writing. Okay. And so, you know, and, and I went to a school for creative and performing arts, you know, as a young kid so I was an actor and singer and so the creativity gene was already there but I think part of it was that I also um, you know we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up so there weren't a lot of options to just do things that you wanted to do if you didn't have a way to finance those things so I was always kind of you know, hustling, kind of coming up with a, like, I want a horse, but you know, like, this is not a family that can afford a horse. So, you know, I would do all my babysitting money and save it. And then, you know, we worked out a deal with these people that had a horse. So it was more like hustling, than, you know, than creativity. But I also am just a person that I do get kind of bored easily. So when you have a creative mind, you're constantly our world. Wait a minute. You got, you can't, you can't throw that line under the bus. A person exactly. who gets bored easily. That's it. Exactly. And then that, the, the flip side of that is I tend to do too much, like, because I have all these ideas of things I could do. And then I do them all. And I finally had to tell myself at one point, I think it was about when I turned 50, I was like, just because you have an idea of something doesn't mean you have to do it right now. <laughs> Please you know? don't tell my husband. Okay, yeah. just don't tell him. It, it, it is hard for creatives, though, because your brain is on all the time. Like in the middle of the night, I'd wake up and be like, well, I mean, the seven-day cheese challenge idea was one of those crazy ideas. Fabulous. My classes all got shut down, just like everybody else. And I had two months worth of classes filled and I couldn't do them. And I was like, how am I going to do this? I'm going to have to convert to Zoom. I'm going to have to videotape stuff. I'm going to have to do it. And I'm at my mom's house and I wake up at five in the morning. I'm like, I should do a seven day cheese challenge. I, I don't know where I came from. <laughs> and I told my mom, she's like, seven days. Why seven? I'm like, because there's seven days in a week. She's like, yeah, but you don't have to do seven days. I'm like, it'd be fun. Yes, you do. And then once I have the idea, like it's on paper that day. And by that night, I'm figuring out the technology and like, it's going to happen. It's just, it's an illness. Like you can't. Kate, it's called the type AAA personality. (laughs) Come on, Samantha, am I right? It's a type Well, I want to ask Kate something. So you grew up in a creative family. Did you know that it was called creativity? Oh, gosh, no. No, except for at an early age, I did go to the school for creative and performing arts. So I guess I did, but we didn't, but I thought everybody was that way, right? you know, because right. I was just surrounded by like all the, I mean, all my friends were creative too. We were at the school, you know? And so, yeah, that, it, I mean, the word was there, but it didn't seem like that was anything unique. Like, isn't everybody creative? <laughs> like, don't well, you all have ideas too? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it, I, I didn't realize that, that, it, that creativity was a thing. That it, you yeah. know, until I was, uh, I don't know, I had a daughter who was 20. You know, somebody said I was creative and I went, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, and 
in fact, creative people have their brains work differently. I mean, yep. our brains really work differently. Yeah, and I find it isn't just in creating like a new idea, like or a business or or a hobby. It's also just problem solving. Like I, I just seem mm-hmm. to be the one my family comes to when they're all stuck, because I always have some creative idea. Like, well, what if we tried this, and what if we tried that, and not one that takes no very good. Well, you know, I'm like, well, why not? Like, there are always options. Let's consider this option. And sometimes they sound crazy until you look at all the details. You're like, well, why not? Like, why wouldn't we try that? Right. And Kate, you said something about waking up five in the morning and having this idea, seven day cheat. Well, first of all, you can tell your mom that people think in terms of odd numbers. So it would be my three secrets, my top five five, is work in threes, right? The punch and one, two, three, and then the punchline. So, so the brain wraps itself around and Samantha can talk to this about odd numbers. I don't know why seven day. We always see so many, so many things in seven days, transform yourself, seven days, lose weight, seven, seven days, stop biting your nails. So the world works that way. And it, it was a challenge, but you said something very interesting, Kate, you said that urgency, having that idea and having to do it right now. And I find even with myself, I just just discovered, as I mentioned to you two ladies before we started, there are some new cool filters, some visual filters in iMovie, which I used to edit my TV shows that I can apply to these Zooms from radio. And we can be like, we're in a a comic, a, a comic book character. We're still ourselves, but all of those beautiful colors and the outlines pops. I just discovered 30 different filters. I was in such a rush to, to share those that I made a, a eight minute clip from a full hour show I did on August 3rd with some other guests and I uploaded it to Hightail and I sent them the link just before we went on the air because I didn't want to wait till tonight. I was so excited. I wanted yeah. them to see it and hope they will respond and I'll do the same with both of you. So Samantha, do you find with this neuroplasticity that creative people, maybe we need another word for creative, creative, three syllables, doesn't really do much, but people know what it means. Do you think that there's something about this idea of urgency to our imagination, to our ideation that we need to act on it because it's exciting to us? What do you think, Samantha? Well, creative people generally are far more curious. You know, yep. I mean, to me, there are either creatives or there are accountants. That's kind of how I divide the world. And, and, in, and really, the brain is kind of divided that way because some people favor one side of the brain, which is very orderly and factual and even. And there's another side that's really intuitive and creatives are on that end. And um, because we're cre- curious when an idea comes we want to follow it i mean most creative people are really really bad at meditating because yes, when a fun so idea comes along you want exactly. to follow it of course you want to follow it let's see where it goes yeah. and they say bring your mind let it go no i don't want to let it go it looks great you know yeah. so yeah there is something about the brain that if you are a creative person if that part of your brain is is more developed like ours everyone on this conversation has that (laughs) then you know when something comes along we have an urge to follow it because we're not orderly we don't want to make sure it's all in the right place it's not interesting to us absolutely creative people tend to have a much broader overview you know whenever a problem arises they want to solve it from space looking down on the problem instead of like well there's one little adjustment we don't like little adjustments we like to change everything right you know so (laughs) It's a very different way of looking at the world. Talk about, and thank you for including all of us in that comment. I appreciate that. I 
added a new feature last week. I've only done this with female guests so far, but we only have four minutes left. And this will be a little bit of a lightning round. I didn't prepare you for it. Let's just see what the answer. We'll go back and forth. So starting with Kate Johnson and Samantha Shad, what's the one thing, if you had to leave the house right now in your purse, your back sa- backpack, whatever you took with you, what's the most important thing you would include in there that tells us something about who you are? Quickly. Kate, what would be in that? <laughs> Oh, my phone, <laughs> which okay. is really embarrassing. Samantha, what would be? I don't have purse? an object. I don't have an, uh, my husband and the dogs <laughs> would have to go with me. That's it. I don't, you know, objects. Okay, we'll really toss it back. Kate, okay, you have another one? Um, well, right now, my mask. <laughs> there you go. There See, you I'm go. sounding very pragmatic here. There but... you go. My guest last week said her favorite lipstick would have to be in her purse. I'm that way. Also, a charger for my phone would have to be in there and um uh what else would be in my in my uh in my purse let's see what else would be in there that's about not drumsticks i don't carry them every day but only to lessons samantha what i have to say i would have to be told to remember my purse i wouldn't even take the purse really yeah i would just go you gotta go all right let's go very interesting <laughs> by the way did anybody see the uh, i think it was the vma awards uh lady gaga had the most i i saw it on the news after i didn't watch the show the most amazing masks Mask. that were i heard about it yeah talk about a performer huh oh yeah a you showcaser know? absolutely yeah. Yeah. she took a lot of awards and she wore a lot of masks and i heard i saw pictures and they were absolutely gorgeous themes some of them had horns and they had spikes and they had oh, all cool. kinds of things coming out of them and no, that's she's, creative, right? I mean, she yes. sings, she's musical, but there's a huge visual element to her. Always. Yeah. Spectacular. Nobody will forget the meat dress. Nope. And I think when she came out smudged, didn't she do a duet with Elton John a couple of years ago? She was all smudged in, in dirt, like she'd come through the chimney or something. There was something where she was all, I don't know what, what song it was, but that that is creativity. So just quickly, Kate Johnson, give a website and what's next for you? 30 seconds, what you got? All right. Well, it's theartofcheese.com and um, we are fully virtual now. I don't really see in-person classes coming back for a little while yet. So lots and lots of virtual classes and we're just about to release the Art of Cheese Making Club. So it's kind of a mentoring club that you actually get to take cheese making classes, but then you also get me and my other instructors as your personal mentors as you're going on your cheese making journey. So that's really exciting. It's kind of fun. I'm reaching people all over the world now, which is kind of fun. And um, we, it's easy to connect via Zoom. <laughs> and and do, you le- do you rent out your goats for cuddle sessions to people? Oh, well, yes, we, we, we do do that sometimes. And the goats are actually part of the virtual classes. There are virtual farm tours on every class. So everybody has to endure seeing baby goats every class. We're going to sign up. Whether it's a goat cheese class or not, the goats are there. Samantha, oh, web- Samantha website. website. Samantha What's next Samanthashad.com. And uh, I work with writers, particularly on story, novels, screenplays, all of that. And I also work with a lot of people on their issues through writing, using the writing to help them in their lives. And, you know, please drop me a line. I'd love it. Wonderful. I would love it too. Forgive me. I had to just go. My light went out. This is a light I've had since I was a kid and I brought it with me. I don't know how it's traveled with me all over the country, but here it is. And it just is a little sensitive on the knob. So ladies, I want you to wave goodbye. I want to thank Josh, our engineer at World Talk Radio, Voice America Variety. Thank you, Josh, for getting us on the air and keeping us there. Kate Johnson, all the best cheese making and goat loving and all that. Thank you. Loving your goats and farming and bringing cheese to the world. And we all know we need that. I almost named this episode, Say 
cheese, but I didn't. <laughs> and that would have been cheesy. Samantha, keep helping people make their brains neuroplasticity be even more neuro and plastic and help help keeping helping people inspire them to write their stories and get out of our own way and learn about us by getting out of our own way. AKA Radio Red Ladies Wave goodbye. Thank Bye. you for joining us for cool conversations. We are creatives. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a positively cool creative week.